say that. Podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Greetings. With us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, Lee Younger. Hello. We have a great show lined up for you this week. We've got some more of your amazing questions. But first, I must declare a it's too early in the year for this emergency. <laughs> <laughs> you may recall if you caught the last episode, we we tried to throw out some some suggestions, some hopes for maybe things that the Christian uh, community, Christian culture would pick up in 2023, maybe some things they would leave in 2022. And uh, yeah, it's not started off strong because we found Mm. some serious, serious nonsense. Uh, This is, we'll we'll drop some audio in here of, I'm going to read the entire uh, title of this YouTube video. Eye of the Tiger, live performance, Christian cover by married couple. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, that sounds like it, it, it could be charming. Like it's, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful we're going to get in there and be like, yeah, man, that's, that's my jam right there. That's probably what's going to happen. Well, let, <laughs> Jed, let's see if that's optimism warranted together. Rising up, back on my feet. Got knocked down, rose above it. Went the distance, I don't take no defeat I will thrive, I will not just survive Listen, before I was a Christian, something was missing Felt a little distant, dark resistant Made a decision, got a new vision Wrote my goals, yeah, wrote my mission BC, I was aimlessly walking Then one day I heard the voice of God talking Rise up. So, yes. Oh God, I was wrong! Yeah. I was so wrong! <laughs> You've all now heard Eye of the Tiger Christian version, which you thought maybe you've experienced some of this over the years. Christians do have a bad habit of, uh, instead of making their own art, particularly in song, just kind of taking what's a hit at the moment and throwing some vaguely Jesus-y lyrics on it. But normally there's some kind of pun or attempt at wordplay. Nope. Nope. (laughs) It's kind of vaguely changed the verses and added white guy rapping that we really didn't need. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is uh since you only heard it, dear listener, one of the things you didn't know if, unless you watch the video, which please don't, <laughs> uh, don't give this any more views. Um, is that because the dude can't or doesn't sing when his wife is singing the, the verses where he's not rapping, He's literally sprinting around the sanctuary, high-fiving what, you know, the sparsely populated congregants who are in this church. I'm sure they were hired to be like the special music of the day or whatever. And he's just running around like it's a WWE event, high-fiving the congregants. Yeah. Yeah. Like a veritable bushwhacker. He is working the crowd. Now, if you did want to view this on YouTube for yourself, and as Lee points out, we can't recommend that you do that. but. You're you're an adult, probably. You make your own choices. Uh, the YouTube account is Lift with Christ. Ah, um, because when he's not doing really, really unfortunate, uh, <laughs> semi reworked <laughs> covers of mid '80s power anthems, uh, this dude's thing is being a a erstwhile motivational speaker. Come fitness influencer 
So let's see. We're, I'm scrolling through some uh, these YouTube thumbnails. Some of them are just straight up insane back and bicep workout. Uh, dumbbell press and flies mega drop set. Then you get to how to dodge Satan's punches motivational <laughs> speech. Sword of the Spirit, 100 rep push down challenge. Cool. So, um, I'm not, it, it doesn't seem to be a lot of a consistency in what we're going for here. Yeah. Then one of them is called How Triple H Overcame Failure, slash Max Incline Bench Press, slash Lift with Christ. <laughs> can, can I give a, a bit of a wish list for the Lift with Christ account? Please. Okay, so um, back in my day, um, we we also had Christian weightlifters, but we had this thing called the Power Team. Yes, and they were these totally roided up dudes, and and I'm sure they love Jesus. But the main thing that they did is they would rip phone books in half yeah. and like blow up hot water bottles and just do stuff that was legitimately impressive. I mean, like ripping handcuffs were... apart. Exactly, it's exactly. a metaphor. You see. For becoming unshackled, right? So, like, I feel a bit let down because, like, look, dude, I can, I can get, you know, kind of a a um, a hardcore workout video from anybody. What I need from you are almost comical feats of strength punctuated with a Bible verse. Yeah. I, I, I know it can happen because I've seen it happen. I need some twenty twenty three power team in my life. That's what I'm here for. Lift with Christ. Yeah, and don't be obvious. Yeah, if, it yeah. can't be Philippians four thirteen every time. No. Right. Right. I need something about the cedars of Lebanon and then you trying to break a lo- rip a tree <laughs> out of the ground with not bigger <laughs> finger strength. <laughs> I mean, dude, like what are they so there's the 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 world's strongest man thing, right? And you lift like the progressively heavier boulders and you got to yeah. put them up on on the platform. The atlas stones, I believe that's called. Yeah, there you go. So I like, some have had bouts of my life where I had insomnia and ESPN two. <laughs> I was like, how does Matt have that? Seen term a decent amount of the world's strongest man in RAM. Here's here's my deal, right? If it's three in the morning and I have insomnia and you have successfully done all the Atlas Stones onto their platforms, I am prepared to hear a short sermonette from you. Yeah, I feel you like you, right. have, you you've earned that right. But you got to do the stones first, bro. We don't, we don't put the cart before the horse. You don't get to give me the sermonette as, you know, like a deposit and later there will be impressive fitness. Impress me first. Then the I'll preaching. Hear, I'll hear your gospel presentation after you drag a 747 across the tarmac, <laughs> sir. <laughs> what I'm saying. I would also like lift with the lift with Christ YouTube account to be incredibly literal. Okay. And like it just, what kind of a gym partner would Jesus be? Yes. <laughs> He always wipes down his station. Sometimes yeah. someone will get up and forget to wipe down their bench. He doesn't make a big deal about it. He just grabs the wipes and does it for him. When someone when someone doesn't rack their weights, you rack the weights for them. You turn the other weights. That's right. Oh. Jesus is the type of spotter who makes sure to not touch the bar so you know you're the one doing this. Yes. Right until the yes. moment where you, where you need it. Because it's about you. It's not about him. I also, yeah. I've scrolled down deeper into this uh, YouTube account, and things have not gotten better. Uh, a video from a year ago, How to Overcome Drug Addiction, My Six-Step Process to Stay Sober. 
That doesn't oh. walk her well. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, cut cut, cut it from 12 down to 6. Also, this is a 12-minute and 30-second YouTube video. Um, dear listener, your three, your three friendly podcast hosts here have uh, met and worked with a lot of people in addiction. And uh, yeah. if you could knock that out in a 12-minute and 30-second one-way speech, things would be a lot different. Be a heck of a yeah. thing, man. I mean, I'm not even mad. That's just impressive. <laughs> I, I like the idea of it's there's something that is very online uh it, hardcore bro about like 12 steps feels like we can make that more efficient yeah we can optimize that is it wrong that as a feat of kind of extended trolling i want to start my own cri- christian fitness influencer account just so i can publish my five-step plan to get to stay sober <laughs> well the, the the bar is currently uh, 44 views for whether or not your plan will be <laughs> more useful, more, uh, more acclaimed than this okay. one. Here's what's great about that. Dude, y- you can sit at your own computer and just hit refresh and hit play again. Like, yeah, you, t- they won't stop you. You can just do that. You you can yeah. get it past 44 views, man. Yeah. YouTube wants things to look like they have more views. By by comparison, and most of, you know, and look, we've all done stuff online that maybe we didn't care about the views or wasn't as successful as you, you thought it might be, and that's fine. You're in it for the love of the pump or whatever. Um, so, but 44 views is not, not the ceiling, but it's, it's pretty typical for this account, what we're scrolling through here, except for the, uh, the Eye of the Tiger video, which has 14,000. Yeah. And we were speculating <laughs> before we came on air. Does he know why? <laughs> right. No. Also, I'll say this. I don't think that's what Jesus mean when he said, love the foreigner. Foreigner, oh. the band oh. who recorded Eye of the Tiger. Not wow. funny, but clever. And they, you know, Strong. not all jokes can be both. <laughs> yeah, the 80s power ballad and like, you know, the mid singing and the obvious karaoke track. It's just a tough look for Christians out of the gate in 2023, man. Yeah. Just make your own songs, guys. It's fine. Yes. You don't, you don't have to start with something. And it's weird and cloying when Christians do the, whatever the song of the moment is that's trending on TikTok and put like, you know, weird Christian lyrics to it. But why are you going back to 1987 or whenever Rocky three came out? Yeah. Is, is that so much of an issue there? Uh, coming in on my, uh, it's coming in on the wire here that uh, the band that recorded Eye the Tiger was Survivor. And here's what I put to you, the listener, who would like to correct me on that. Prove that those are different bands. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Prove definitively that Survivor and Foreigner are different bands. I dare you. Do you think if they covered a song like, uh, like I Want to Know What Love Is? that they would just do separate verses of I want to know what hope is and then I want to know what faith is. Oh, dude, that's really good. Yeah. Like, like, like this is just such a weak effort on the on the Weird Al, the Weird Aling of, of, of this uh, Eye of the Tiger. Oh, dude, dude, dude. You don't, you don't need much at all. I want to know what love is. I know that you showed me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One writing credit, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be, 
80s power ballads that are better set up for Christianizing because I the Tiger is pretty pretty specific and has it's it's kind of yeah. got all the association with it it's going to have. It's Sylvester Stallone and Carl Weathers running on the beach in 80s shorts. Yeah, right. It's you know it it it's it is very much what it is. Yeah. Also, Lion not only kind of makes it Christian, but scans. They're both two syllable words. Like the laziness of this cannot be overstated. Right. It's like if he tried to rework an Ozzy Osbourne track and it was just like crazy train to Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) A Tracy Chapman, Christian cover, fast car parentheses that is going to church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every rose has its thorn in the crown of thorns. Oh, that's good. That's very, very good. You'd have to really sneak it in there, though. Every rose has its thorn in the crown of thorns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> girls, girls, girls. What about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? That's that's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. You you know, take, um, take me down to the paradise city. I mean, it's right already there. done. Oh, dude, dude. <laughs> you know. Our Lord has many names, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, the Good Physician. In many ways, he's the real Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that is. Wow. Yeah. If, yeah, you're welcome. I, if they, like, the cover and the performance were so bad that I guarantee you, if they actually listen to this episode, they would consider doing all of the songs we just listed. <laughs> yeah. So I, I Googled 80s power ballads, and I okay. forgot that, you know, in the era of the compilation album being advertised on Late, late Night TV, yeah, yeah. there was apparently one called 80s uh, power ballads that's just, yeah. I don't know if the Google algorithm is pulling it from like Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. But it just kind of pulls it up. And the first one is literally called Heaven by Warrant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cool tune, actually. Uh, one of them is by Brett Michaels. Not Poison. Apparently a Brett Michaels solo joint, which, yikes. <laughs> ah. uh, it's called Something to Believe in. Okay. Okay. Uh, a docking track called When the Good Die Young. There's a lot okay. more crossover here than we thought when we started. Yeah. 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 Dude, Don't I'm... Stop Believing? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now I mean, I'm picturing a bad karaoke cover of Don't Stop Believing what with nonsensical rap verses, and that's concerning. Uh what about the what about the going down in a blaze of glory? Yes. Is it, or is it shot down in a blaze of glory? He probably says them both. Probably. Oh, another Motley Crew, Home Sweet Home. That one's just right there. Yeah, yeah. that's that's very right. good. That's very good. Oh, I, I, number one in this list, Night Ranger, Sister Christian. They wouldn't even change the lyrics to that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, Christians, uh, we know you're going to do weird, unnecessary, concerning covers of pop songs. That is, as long as pop music and Christians have existed in the same universe, that has happened. We're just asking for a little effort. <laughs> I want to be clear. 
how happy it would make me if like a tender, sensitive worship leader recorded a version of Dr. Feelgood that was kind of retooled to be about the second Corinthians concept of God being the God of all comfort. And it's Mm. like, it's totally slowed down and it feels like a Tomlin tune. Like that, that would be my new happy place. I am not lying that I, I would, I would buy that song. I would buy that song. Yeah. I'm also picturing like a, a very weird ham handed thing where something, some take on physician heal thyself, but with Dr. Feelgood. Oh, that's wow. good. That's very good. Yeah. Just right there in the Easter cantata. Just the needle <laughs> drop. Well, I think the thing we've stumbled on is at this point, you know, Jed mentions Chris Tomlin there. There's there's an audience who's just gonna buy or listen to or whatever a certain amount of whatever the contemporary Christian music industry puts out for whatever cultural or you know, taste version, just if it's on K-Love, they're going to listen to it. And if it's by this, a certain stable of artists, it's going to get on K-Love because that's the way um, the music industry works at this point. Uh, I mean that both in a programming sense and a possibly money changing hand sense, who knows, but it's going to get on that. It's going to get on those radio stations. So I feel like there's just a lot less having fun with it than there could be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because of Chris Tomlin did a weird Dr. Feelgood cover. The people at Caleb would go, well, I don't know what this is, but it's the new Chris Tomlin song, so we're going to play it 800 times a day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I really need to live in that world. I really do. Yes. And we all need to live maybe a little less in the world in which we uh, have weird 80s rock covers by uh, wannabe Christian fitness influencers. But unfortunately, that is the world we live in. Yeah. That happens. And in yeah. another great say that emergency fashion, that's a thing we know about. And because we had to know about it, now you do too. You're welcome. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and on that title, we will declare emergency off. We're going to move on to your fine questions as they came in. If you have us all the way to the end, I'll give some ways you can touch those or you can scroll down to your episode <clears> description, <throat> find the email address and a link there. Click on those and send us whatever's on your mind. Our first question comes in and says, I've heard a lot of Christians talking about the importance of being intentional in a bunch of areas of life. Is that an important thing or is it another Christian cliche? And I I think it's a a great question. I think intentionality, we certainly talked about on this show. We mentioned last episode as a concept. It's, it is utterly anodyne. It is a thing that should be used. You'll hear about it in business context. You'll hear about it in uh, general kind of secular self-help context. Intentionality can be a great thing, but as they have a habit of doing, uh, Christians have can take a word and just beat all meaning out of it by weird overuse and passive aggression and all sorts of things. So, Lee, when we start with looking at the idea of intentional, can we do our best to strip it of all the uh, the sermonizing or the someone who doesn't really the 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 maybe well-meaning you know older person at church who tells you, you just need to be intentional about dating or work or whatever, and that'll make all the difference and look at what's actually going on here and how this could be useful to us if we tried to institute it. Yeah, it is a good question. And you make a really good point, Matt. I mean, it it is so, it's just so easy for churches to belabor something for Christian people to belabor something to a point where it just doesn't mean what it could. 
And I think that's the important thing to look at is what can a helpful word do for a person's lifestyle, for a, for a person's relationships, for a person's world? Um, I, I, I like the word intentional. I, I, I do agree that it's been, you know, uh, you talk about the Chris Tomlin song, it's been overplayed. And so as a result, it, it, you know, the overuse and everything just kind of makes it wash over us. So let's just substitute a, syn- a synonym. Um, we just, there are certain things that need to be on purpose. And that's a helpful thing for me in my life. The, the word intentional has been good for me, but let's just substitute on purpose. Um, that's an important thing because I know for me and my own personality, I have a natural tendency towards um, just inertia. Like, just just leave me alone. I, I naturally will just do nothing. Um, give me a day off. And the first thing that occurs to me is, cool, I'm going to do nothing today. Um, and it's going to be great. Um, and there, there's actually nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with downtime. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. There's nothing wrong with that. In, in my particular personality, there are some, some things that I need to fight an uphill battle against, you know, just because they could lead to inaction in ways that would be, that would not be good for certain relationships. It would not be good for my own health, not be good for our household, all of those things. I mean, um, the the word intentional or or on purpose has been great for for Christy and for me in our marriage just because it's like i mean you know like when you, you get married to somebody and you think like oh great well we've spent this time dating we've spent all this time getting to know each other we know each other great this is going to be this is going to be easy we're just going to move in together and we're going to start a life together it's going to be easy as pie and you realize I don't know you at all. And we are completely different people. We think in completely different ways. And so there's certain things that in good, you know, relationship communication, especially within something like a marriage, you've got to be able to communicate certain things that's like, hey, you don't naturally think this way, but I need you to I, I need you to encourage me in this way. Um, great. I need to do that on purpose. I need to schedule that. I need to think about it in ways that I wouldn't on my own. So that word intentional or the, or the, or the phrase on purpose can be really, really important, not just in marriage, but in friendships and work relationships, just take it out of the Christian world completely. I mean, this is, these are just things that could be helpful in kind of a, a supervisor, supervisee relationship. It's like, like, what is it that, what are the things that I, that don't naturally occur to me? that are going to make this operation run more smoothly. Well, let me write those things down. Let me do them on purpose. Let me actually schedule them until they become a routine, until they become things that I think about. This is a natural part of any relationship. We all have things that don't occur to us until somebody says, hey, that thing is important to me, and I would like you to prioritize it. Okay, cool. Well, that, that, is great. I, I want to handle this relationship with a lot of specific care. So for you to tell me something that matters to you and for me to onboard that, to schedule it until it becomes something that I naturally think about and that till it becomes routine, that's going to be really, really important for me. Um, and I don't think I'm the only person that has a personality like mine, but scheduling things, making, doing things on purpose, being intentional about things, you know, take the, take the, the, the wash out of the overuse of that word, there's absolutely nothing wrong with making sure that I do some things on purpose 
that are going to benefit my own health, that are going to benefit some of my relationships, that are going to depend, you know, benefit especially things like relationship with my boss, my friends, my marriage, those kinds of ministry partners and relationships that I'm in. All of those things can be super duper helpful, regardless of the fact that the word's been overplayed. I think that's a really, really important place to start off because there is kind of a binary you set up in your, in your question, which I don't know that you meant to set it up like a binary, but it's not exactly true, which is, is this good or is it a cliche? And those are not necessarily opposite ends of the spectrum. There are a lot of things, particularly in Christian culture, where the cliche gets used to paper over something not being a good idea. They just pound the messaging home. We talked in uh, our last episode about God's got this and how that just kind of is a repeatable phrase that covers over a lot of bad ideas. But Jed, if we can either put aside or just accept, yes, this is a cliche, um, granted, but is there anything in that? And if so, how do we get the most out of an idea like intentionality? Where does that take us? I think it's a fabulous question, man. So let's begin with kind of the opposite of intentionality. There's a phrase that I know from my wife, and it's a phrase that gets used in military circles a lot. And the phrase is, hope is not a strategy. Mm. Let me repeat it. Hope is not a strategy. We all have things in life that we hope happen. I hope I win the lottery. I hope that someone gives me a Ferrari. Um, I hope that uh, tomorrow night I have pizza for dinner. Um, If I'm not taking any steps to achieve those ends, then... I have no reasonable expectation that those things will happen. Um, it's just wishing. And whether we, call it, whether we want to call it hope or wishing, if that's all it is, it's probably not going to happen because I'm not taking any steps towards making it happen. There's, there's no strategy in place that would achieve this outcome that I say that I want. Intentionality, and again, this is true in, in matters of faith, but it's just as true just in normal life. Intentionality is about saying, here's an outcome that is important that it be achieved. On that basis, here's how we're going to work towards achieving it. We're not leaving this to hope. We're not leaving this to wishing. And I think what you'll find is that there are at least three things that any intentional effort will have in mind or or will have in common. Here are those three things. The first is goal setting. You absolutely cannot achieve a goal that you have not defined. You can have generally good stuff happen, but that's not the same as achieving a goal, right? If your goal is to, um, you know, have cooked a souffle, you've either done that or you have not. It is a measurable thing that we know when it has or has not happened. To become a better cook is not a great goal because it's really hard to know if we've done it. Right. How how much better of a cook it, better in what ways better by what metrics uh, who's evaluating this who's giving us the the nod and whether betterment has happened. But if it's I want to have cooked a souffle. Well, we for sure know whether you've done that or not. So we need clear goal setting. That's one of the first things that's involved in any form of intentionality. The second thing that's involved is resource tracking. If you're trying to achieve a goal you will find quickly that you have limited resources to achieve it. That could be a limited amount of time. It could be a limited amount of money. It could be um, a limited amount of emotional energy. It could be a limited amount of relational capital. But 
you don't have infinite resources to achieve this goal. And I know that because no one has infinite resources for anything. So if we hope to achieve the goal that we have clearly defined, next we need to be clear about what we're able to spend to do this. Spend in terms of time, spend in terms of money, spend in terms of relational capital, spend in terms of the amount of stress we're willing to onboard as a part of this. But we need to define the goal, define the resources we've got and how we're spending those resources to get there. And then the last part is actually really, really critical is we need regular check-ins on how this process is going. Yeah. Um, any goal that's worth pursuing, any goal that you care about, we need to check in regularly to see what is going on. Are we getting any closer to achieving this? Are we spending what we thought we would spend? Are we hitting milestones to let us know that we're moving in the right direction? Are we running into obstacles that we didn't know were there? Are we ahead of schedule? But if you bring those three things together, goal setting, resource tracking, and regular check-ins, you are now being intentional about pursuing a goal. And, and here's what happens when you do that. The odds of you hitting that goal go up about a million percent. Those things, if the goal is achievable, those things will help you achieve the goal. But now here's the last part, and it's something for you to really, really think about. You can't be intentional about everything. You absolutely positively cannot be intentional about everything. No one has the ability to do that. So this is where, in many ways, your values come into play. You've got to choose what you're going to invest in. You've got to choose because being intentional is work, dude. You've got to choose what is worth the investment of all that intentionality and all that planning and all that time and all those other resources because you're not going to be able to do it with every single thing in your life. So picking carefully what you care about enough that it merits intentionality, that in many ways is where faith and your relationship with God is really going to come to bear on this of what has God put on my heart that matters that much? What is God calling me to that matters that much? Because the world would love to sell you on being intentional about things that don't really matter and, and probably don't matter to you. You get to choose what's worth spending all that on, and we want to encourage you to choose wisely and to spend well. It's really all great points. I love the idea that you can't be intentional about everything. It's hard to be intentional about multiple things. You really yeah. do have to pick and choose. It is a focusing of your attention and your effort. And I think that is maybe where we can draw a useful distinction between the strategy and the cliche, yeah. because the strategy is something that can be applied. I want to learn to do X. I want to, do more of this. I want to learn how to cook this or make this thing or do whatever. The idea of intentionality as a lifestyle and a general way of approaching the world, that's just hokum. That's, yeah. that's where you get into, um, to go back to our emergency, uh, just kind of, that's just kind of motivational soup. That's not yep. a thing that someone can do. You cannot, be an intentional person. You can be intentional about a couple of things. You can want to uh, set a goal and move towards achieving it. And that's really the way I would break down intentionality, you know, deciding on something you want and taking steps to get there. And I think in a lot of circles in life, but in sometimes in Christian stuff, this is amplified as much as intentionality is used as a buzzword. There is a bit of glorification of the just kind of 
feeling it out, man, just kind of waiting to see what God has for me and moving on and kind of floating through life and, you know, taking, taking what comes my way, which can be a great and a good way to be in life. But as Jed says, particularly if there's one thing you want, if that's a relationship, if that's in in your career, if that's in your physical health or your skill set in something, your type of hobby, you're going to get a lot further and get a place a lot quicker if you decide that you're going to put some effort towards this and you're going to uh, pursue it in a way. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That is a good thing. And that is, that is, uh, for lack of a better term, being intentional about that thing. And I think these guys gave you a lot of great stuff to differentiate that from just kind of the free floating cliche. Move on to our next question here. It comes in and says, I know we're not supposed to judge other people's salvations, but there are also clearly people who claim the title of Christian who don't line up with the teachings of Jesus in any way. What are we supposed to do with that? A, another great question. Lee, where did we kick off here? This is a great question. And I would start out by saying it depends on what you're asking. And the reason it depends on what you're asking is that I grew up in the brand of Christianity that like, like people that were in positions of leadership had lots of really vocal opinions about other people's private choices. Yep. And so if that's what we're talking about, where like there are people in your world that they're making some, some private choices for their life that you don't like, um, you don't need to say anything about whether or not that person's a Christian. And in fact, uh, Romans chapter 14 would say, um, uh, you are not their Lord and their Lord is able to make them stand. So you can just mind your own business on that. And and I don't know if that's what you're saying, but that, I do want to start out by saying it, it really, really depends on what we're talking about here. Um, so if we're talking about somebody's private choices, uh, we really need to stay out of the business of, of, of making the call who's in, who's out. Now, in a slightly different situation, if you're talking about someone who is all over social media or on television or in, in print media, somebody that's running their mouth and basically <laughs> ruining the whole operation or undermining the whole operation by being a giant jerk and being hateful and racist and all those kinds of things, um, which unfortunately there is a whole lot of that and claiming the name of Christ and claiming, you know, that, that the things that they're doing, they're on a, they're on a culture war for Jesus or whatever, all that kind of stuff then what I would say is there are, there is this thought in Christian culture that whoever the loudest voice is that claims the name of Jesus, that they probably have a point. And we should probably listen to those people and give them the benefit of the doubt. You don't have to give those people the benefit of the doubt. You do not have to listen to them. You do not have to give them your time, your energy, your respect, your attention. Um, not every, this is a, this is a thing that, um, is, this is novel for a lot of people who grew up in Christian circles. Not everyone has a point. Not all the stuff people say has, uh, you know, some holy righteous point underneath it somewhere and you have to dig it out or mine it out or anything like that. Just because somebody is in a position of authority or has a lot of money or is it, or even is a, is a leader in a church or something like that that doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. And that doesn't mean that they speak for believers in Jesus. And just as you may be hinting at in your question, it's definitely happening a lot. There are a lot of people that claim the name of Christ and the stuff that they care about 
and the stuff that they're spouting and that they're talking about and trying to get people to 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 line up with and vote for and everything don't have anything to do with the teachings of Christ in any way. Now, again, to go back to the very beginning of this, that has a, that's a totally different thing than us judging someone's you know personal private decisions that they're making in their own life and making a call about whether or not they're in or out. You don't have to listen to the talking heads out there. You don't have to pay attention to the nonsense that really hateful, awful people are spouting who are claiming the name of Jesus. Not everybody has a point, and I know that's a weird thing for folks who grew up in Christian culture, but you don't have to pay attention to it. You don't have to really decide whether or not they're in or out. We still don't have to make that call for really anybody, but that is a totally different thing than deciding who you listen to, who you respect, who you admire, and who you turn to. A fantastic place to start that off. And Jed, what would you have to add to that? I absolutely agree with everything that Lee said. Let me give you an example torn from my own life that may help to put a little bit of flesh and bone on that. When I was eight years old, I played on a t-ball team. This is a documented historical fact. I was a t-ball player and no one can claim otherwise. No one has the right to come in and tell me that I didn't play t-ball because I did. I super duper played it. Also, I may be the worst t-ball player to ever play the game. I was bad. I was really, really aggressively bad in a way that made it clear this is not my giftedness. So somehow Jed struck out looking. Yeah. <laughs> Never been done in t-ball before, but he did it. <laughs> like, I mean, kind of. Right? So I mean, here's the thing is I was super duper a t-ball player. You don't get to come to be like, you're, you're not a t-ball player because I was. I, I super duper was. But I was a crappy one. You shouldn't listen to me about anything t-ball related. Like, I don't know anything about it. I I was one, but don't, I have nothing to contribute on the subject of T-ball and you would never want to hold me up as an example of T-ball. Like I was up in it. I've, you know, but let's try to not think about it too much because it's, it's just sad. Okay. With that in mind, I'm sure you can, you can track this like someone, someone can be saved and also be not really a good example of what a Christian life is supposed to look like. Yeah. Those two things can be true at the same time. Like did the following is just, it's just me. You don't have to be with me on this at all, but the Bible says that God desires that every person be saved. Right. And the Bible also says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I would like to think that you take the worst person you can think of I would like to think that somehow, some way, there was one moment where this tiny little part of their heart called out and said, God, if you're real, if you're out there, I need you to come through for me. And God said, I got you. And they're, they're as saved as saved can be. They're still kind of a crappy person, though. Like, both of those things can be true at the exact same time. Right. I definitely for sure was a t-ball player. But I was also a super duper crappy t-ball player that no one should hold up as any kind of an example. And I think one of the things that is a little bit of a of a a mind game that people in Christianity tend to get put on themselves is judging someone and just making basic observations are not the same thing, man. Mm. Um, you know. There are, I'm going to intentionally not use any specific examples here, but there, there are plenty of people who have led notoriously bad lives 
and had deathbed conversions where they they gave their life to Christ. And certainly, my understanding of the scriptures again, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved, um, is that those people are as as saved as anyone ever has been or ever will be. Um, but we don't have to pretend like they weren't terrible people that did terrible things. The, the, these right. things are true at the exact same time, man. Um, and here, here's something just, just to ponder and, and consider and, and, and file away for future knowledge. When your spider sense tells you that people are asking you to ignore what your eyes can see and what your ears can hear and what your brain can compute and that it's holy for you to ignore all of those things, be very careful. Um, that rarely leads to something good. Yeah. God, the Bible says you're t- to love the Lord your God with all of your mind. God gave mm. you intelligence for a reason. God gave you reasoning capacity for a reason. God wants you to think things through. In fact, you're commanded to be discerning. Looking around and saying, you know, this guy says that he does triathlons, but I've never seen him run or bike or swim. Like, that's, that's just making an observation. That's, that's allowed, man. That's not, that's not judging anybody. Um, you don't know the condition of another person's standing before God, and you're not meant to, to speculate on that. But saying, this, this dude talks a lot about, you know, uh, love, but he, he seems to basically hate everyone. If, if that's the truth, it's the truth. Um, and you're allowed to notice things. That's absolutely right. Um, there's a phenomenon with people who are in addiction recovery, as the three of us have all known a lot of people in that particular year of life. <laughs> There is a type of person who, once they are not in addiction anymore, they become an entirely different person. They are, mm. uh, there was a guy who was one of, one of our bridge deacons uh, years ago who uh, somebody had come who had known him previously uh, before he gotten clean and got his life together uh, and found themselves at this, this place Jed and I were. And they, when they saw this person, they looked like they had seen legitimately a ghost. Yeah. They were physically terrified to just be in the same room as this dude because that's the way this dude used to be. Yep. Intellectually, uh, Jed and I and our, our, our cohorts here could take that on, but it was a bit, of a, a bit odd because now that this guy had gotten slapped together, it's clean, he was, he was literally cutting old ladies' lawns for free. He was... A volunteer at the church. He was always had a smile on his face. Friendliest dude you could ever meet. Um, and that is what a lot of people, and I think even a lot of people who work in that arena, think of when they think of someone uh, getting clean, getting off that chemical. It is, you know, they become a, a, a better, kinder, wonderful person. And it surely happens sometimes. And there's sometimes where you just become a jackass who isn't addicted to anything. Yep. That is... Not as common in my experience, but it's definitely happens. Yep. And I think to the point that you guys are making, it's it's certainly clear that the same thing can happen with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, you know, we're all in a long work, but to take this back to where Lee started, so I think it's a very important distinction. Um, you know, the Bible says that you're probably very familiar with the idea as Matthew 7, 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. Very important. Maybe what you were thinking of when you read this question. There's a back half to that, which I think doesn't get as much play, but I think is, is very interesting in this context. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So to take it back to the, the two categories Lee gave us in the beginning, if you're, if you're talking about uh, a situation where someone is judging other people who are uh, 
in they, what they feel in some way fall short in their private life and their sex life and the way they interact with others. Um, that's not a measure anyone wants to use to decide who's in and who's out or who's a good Christian or a bad Christian or in uh, saved or not saved. Uh, that there's a whole thing in the, there's a whole speech Jesus gives about that. Why well, you shouldn't do that. However, I think there, what this verse says to me, and I'm not, I'm not a, a theologian by any means is I am perfectly willing to say, uh, I, I'm very happy to use the measure of, are you, let's say a fascist? Are you right. openly calling for, for the violence of, of, uh, queer people and trans people? Are you doing other awful, awful things? I'm not. So I feel fine saying I'm better at Christianity than you. If we're both claiming <laughs> to do it and I'm doing this, <laughs> if you're calling for the, the uh, violence against minorities and the expulsion of uh, foreigners and all sorts of things that are really, really counter uh, run counter to what the Bible says. I'm entirely comfortable saying I'm actually better at this than you are. <laughs> I don't feel like, again, it's, we, it's very explicitly says, do not judge other people's salvation. That's between them and their Lord. And Hey, I don't, I don't have any, I don't get invited to those meetings as they say, but I think there's a big, big difference um, and most of this is internal, probably. We we don't probably need to go on social media and start flame wars if we're right or not. But an internal of, well, aren't you just as bad as the people who are judging? No, that is that is a different thing to say, yeah. here's what this actually says about the way you should treat people, the things at the core of that. And they're, this person is not holding to that. So as Lee pointed out in the beginning, I don't have to care what they say about things. And right. people in my life who I love and do have the right to speak in their life say, well, I read what so-and-so said. It's okay to say, should we be caring about what so-and-so said? Because here's other things so-and-so say, and that's uh, totally insane and totally antithetical to what we we claim to be building our life on. That's fine. There, do not judge is a very, very important Christian tenet. But uh, to, to Jed's point, it doesn't mean do not think. Yep. Right. It doesn't mean don't try to to discern, to be to use the the $5 word, what's going on. That's a good thing to do. And there are some people, maybe we will be united with them in glory, and that is that is totally the Lord's call and not ours. But it doesn't mean you have to hang out with them or care what they think while we're here on this earthly plane. <coughs> we're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and says, Sometimes in the Gospels when Jesus heals someone, he tells them to tell people, like their village or the temple officials. Other times he tells them to keep it a secret. I can't see a pattern in why it's one way or the other, what do you think is going on here? Another very cool question. I love uh, thinking of this in that way. And Lee, where do we start off? It is a very cool question. I'm so glad you asked it. And I have to start out by just uh, keeping it real and humble here and saying, I have no idea. I mean, when, when it comes down to it, I don't know why Jesus does a lot of the things that he does. I have some speculations and I have maybe some thoughts that might be helpful to you. I hope they are. But I, I need to preface all of that by saying, I actually don't know the answer. Um, I'm like you. Sometimes there doesn't seem to be a, a ton of pattern to this. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what he's up to. But I will tell you this. There are definitely, you know, as far as the whole thing where Jesus says, hey, don't tell anybody about this. There's definitely some people in this world, see our previous question, who I wish would never tell people that they are Christians. <laughs> I wish they wouldn't talk about Jesus at all. Maybe hide your light under a bushel there, friend. Yeah. I mean, if this I, is what your light is going to be. Maybe keep it under the bushel. I've met and heard enough people at this point that revolve around the Christian thing to where those verses where Jesus says, hey, 
uh, I love you and everything, and I'm going to hook you up, but tell no one that you're a part of this. That makes a lot of sense. There's some people that I can see Jesus would not want to represent him. Um, so uh, again, I don't know the, the real answer. I'm speculating, but it makes a lot of sense that there are some people he doesn't want representing him. The other thing, the other side of your question, which is such a cool pickup, uh, because normally, I mean, I've been involved with with youth ministry for uh, the last 20 years at least, and uh, this question comes up a lot. Um, as as young people start to discover and read the Bible for themselves, it's one of the first pickups. Is like, wait, why is, why is Jesus doing something super cool and doesn't want anybody to tell? But normally when people ask that question, they don't have the really cool pull that you had here, this cool pickup of... And at the same time, there's certain people he tells to go tell everybody or go tell these specific people, go tell your family, go tell the the officials or the rulers or the priests. Such a great pickup by you. And I'm so glad you asked it. It's one of the, a couple of these examples are some of the coolest things to me that happen in the gospels. Uh, here's one example. Um, uh, let me say that to say this. I think sometimes Jesus had people tell certain parts of their story to certain people because he had an extra cool thing in store for them that was after or in addition to the work that he was doing in their life. Like Jesus would work in somebody's life and then he had something else cool in store for them, which is just like him. It's part of his creativity. It's part of the wholeness of the way that he wants to work in people's lives. Um, So here's an example He healed a guy who had leprosy, and he said to that guy, go and show yourselves to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses told uh, told you to to offer. So if you track that back to a book in the Old Testament that doesn't get a whole lot of of airtime, there's a book called Leviticus, and Leviticus had, it was just a, it was a book of ceremonial rules for God's people. One of them was... If you have a certain skin disease and you get healed of it, then go show yourself to the priest and you get to perform this, this ceremonial rite. And it was extremely detailed and it was, it was, you know, a a strange and eerily detailed sacrifice that like, and it's hard for me to explain here, but if a person did it, they would, they would see this kind of living pageantry of an innocent took your place and and died in your place and then you who were who used to be bound you are now flying free you are now going free it was a real specific sacrifice had to do with these two birds and and uh this red thread and and wood and water it's a really complicated thing but if the leprous guy who got healed by Jesus went to the priests and they offered that sacrifice cuz he did have leprosy and now he was healed he would get this additional thing that was a picture of his own personal freedom from the bondage that he had been in with this disease. It's like Jesus was saying, man, tucked in the, tucked in the history of our religion is this little pageantry and ceremony that I don't know if anybody's ever done, because I don't know if anybody's ever gotten healed of leprosy before, but it was all for you. And you get to experience this extra picture of freedom. I want you to go picture, I want you to go get that. Um, another example was when Jesus healed a woman who had had an issue of bleeding for 12 years and she wanted to slink off into the crowd and not let, she realized that she'd been healed when she reached out for the hem of Jesus's robe and she wanted to slink off and, and just not be noticed. 
But Jesus stopped the whole procession, stopped the crowd, and got her, uh, the, the Gospel of Mark specifically says um, that Jesus got her to tell her whole story. Now, at first, it's like, oh, that would have been so embarrassing. Like, she has to tell everybody what's going on. But then when you know about their religious ceremonies and their community rules, what you find out is that this woman had been living in community isolation for 12 years. Nobody could have her over for the to watch the big game. Nobody could invite her over for coffee. They couldn't go visit her and have tea or anything like that. She had been isolated from her community for 12 years. By Jesus stopping the crowd and making sure that everybody heard the story of her healing, he was essentially saying to this small town and to all the people in this community, hey guys, it's time to invite her over for coffee. It's time to go hang out with her and go for a walk. She's officially back in the community, and I want to make sure everybody knows that. I don't know exactly why Jesus did these things, but sometimes I have the I have the hunch that he would have people tell their story so that they would get a little extra, maybe some more community involvement, maybe um, another picture of the freedom that he was bringing into their lives. He worked in their life, and then he would make sure that they would have an extra dose of of community help, uh, another picture of freedom. I, it's really interesting stuff and a great place to start that off. Jed, where do we close it out? I agree with everything Lee said. And in fact, I just want to build on it and really make one point. I think there one takeaway that I would really encourage you to think about is that God's work in our lives is never one size fits all. God's work in my life is not going to look exactly like God's work in your life. And it's not going to look exactly like God's work in Lee's life or in anybody else's. And that could feel like kind of a weird idea because Christian culture and particularly kind of evangelical Christian culture very much wants God's work to be one size fits all. Um, That we would all have basically the same story and the same testimony and the same everything. Um, But God very clearly does not feel that way. Uh, it, It is interesting, Old Testament and New God is very clear that uh, God reserves the right to work how he sees fit in individual people's lives. Um, and what what and how he does for one person is not the same as what and how he does for another person. The, the truth is that both the witness of Scripture consistently throughout and just the witness of uh, people of faith that I have personally known is that what God does in for, and through each of us is unique. You are unique. Your story will be unique. The ways that God comes through for you will be unique. The The ways that God interacts with you will be unique. The nature of your relationship with God will be unique. And if you think about it, it kind of has to be that way because you're a unique human being. In in all the world, in all of history, there never has been and never will be again a person just like you. You, for better or worse, baby, you are fully unique. And I believe God made you that way on purpose, and I believe that God wants to interact with you that way on purpose. I mean, think for just a second as a thought experiment. Think about if you had had like a romantic partner. And, you know, things have gone pretty well, but, you know, ultimately it didn't work out. And then you got a new romantic partner and you decided, I'm just going to do everything that worked with the last one with this one. I'm going to change nothing. 
Like, I'm not going to try to adapt to the fact that it's a new person at all. I'm just going to do all the same stuff. That would be weird, man. I mean, that would be really, really weird and would definitely not work. If, if it's not clear from the tone, don't do that. That is not a suggestion for successful dating. You should for sure not do that. This is a candy corn loving relationship. Get with the program. <laughs> I mean, like, I got you your shrimp salad like you like. I'm horribly allergic to shellfish. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if, if the three of us on this show can figure out that portion, the God of the universe is aware that what works for one person is not going to work for another person. God loves you with a unique love. God loves your neighbor with also a unique love. And God's work in your lives is going to be a unique work of art. It isn't one size fits all, and that's okay. There is so much beauty and comfort in that uniqueness, and we want you to lean into that. Absolutely right. I think there's also one, one other lesson I think it's worth pointing out here that maybe taken from this really keen observation that our question askers had is sometimes people can be in the exact same uh, position, very similar experiences have a similar thing happen to them. And it is right for them to have different responses to that. (laughs) Yep. That is a very, very important thing when, as these guys have both done a great job uh, pointing out, we have individual relationships with the Lord. So not everything is always a happened. Therefore B must happen next. These things are happening in the context of an individual relationship with an individual person that Jesus is having. And that's always a good thing to remember. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous, take out the song this week. This is a Lee track called No One Like You. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, you chased me when I ran.
we're going to pray and then we're going to eat. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for the fact that you love us, that you have a plan for us, that you're going to make sure that we make it to the end of this. The scripture says, I am convinced that, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You're going to make sure.